0: From the Guinness and 91.1 WCBT Gettysburg, I'm Ben Potts, and this is On Target.
1: I'm Gauria Mangala, and today on Target, we will be discussing the new updates in terms of how coronavirus and remote learning are affecting Gettysburg College students and staff.
0: Then we'll play my interview with Gettysburg College President Bob Uliano. Stay with us. It's been... Almost a month, not quite, since we were last together on the Gettysburg College campus, which is somewhat alarming. Uh, by the end of this week, I think it will be a month because uh, we had two weeks of spring break and then two weeks of online shenanigans. And and here we are with Gary, How's it going?
1: Uh, I think it's going pretty OK. Um, I have, you know, we've all had our first week of classes now and are somewhat, I think, more... Um, understanding of like what's gonna oriented. Yeah. Yeah. Like of what's gonna happen for this semester. Like I've gotten, you know, adjusted syllabi from all of my professors now and do kind of understand like what the rest of my semester will look like. However, like I think, you know, I think this is the case for a lot of people. I'm not really well adapted to working at home, um, specifically in my like childhood home. Um rather than like on a college campus, where the entire function is to work, um, so that's definitely been a tough thing. Um,
0: Don't tell we, me you get a lot of work done at the Humor House. That would be what we no, call fake uh, news. But yeah,
1: but like every part of Gettysburg College's campus is home, technically. So, like oh, you know, I have, I have an office to go to. I have a library to go to. Whereas I live in a very small town home, where like I have you know. This like the study where I can't really study because I know that my bedroom's right next door. Um, and that's been, I think, a big thing. I think for a lot of people also like sleep has been really weird. I know for me, like I just I don't sleep until like four in the morning and then I wake up at like four in the afternoon, record a podcast and go back to bed. <laughs> like that's what That's what my life's been like. So I think it's been really hard to adapt to this and suddenly I don't know how to be a college student anymore. I think because there's like such a lack of things going on, it feels like you shouldn't be doing anything at all.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree with some of that. Sorry for the any noise. Uh, simultaneously, we had a flock of birds and an Amish buggy go by my front porch here in beautiful downtown Strasburg, Pennsylvania. Uh, so hopefully that didn't interfere too much with uh, what you were saying there. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, no, I agree with a lot of that. Um, I have found sleep, my like general sleeping schedule hasn't been too adversely affected. But I will say that, It seems like when you're at home, there are more things that take time than do at school. Uh, For example, like at school, I've realized now that I've been home that when I was at school, I would spend a total of like 15 minutes a day eating. Uh, You know, I would just see something at my desk and move on with my life. Exactly. now at home, meals are an event, which is not a bad thing. It's just a different thing. Uh, And so, you know, I suddenly wonder, is busy, so I hate the word busy, just as, you know, occupied and my my to-do list is just as long as it is at Gettysburg. Um, And I'm trying to identify why that is. I'm increasingly thinking that it is in large part because at Gettysburg, what I do is classes and the Gettysburgian. And at home, I'm also doing classes and the Gettysburgian and the Gettysburgian a little busy lately, uh, in case y'all hadn't noticed. You know, there's a little bit of a pandemic thing happening. Um, so, you know, I guess I realized maybe, if anything, how much of my ambient time at Gettysburg, I just didn't quite realize I was spending in our office, whether doing Gettysburgian-related things or just kind of, you know, you know passively doing a little bit of work here or messing around on the internet or YouTube or whatever, which I will admit I spend a fair amount of time going down rabbit holes like I think many people do. Uh but anyway, so yeah, I have found that these gobs of free time that some people say they have not true for me. And not because I'm like a heroic emergency room doctor who's uh, you know, actually has no free time. So anyway. Let's get to the news. Earlier today, we're recording this Monday, March the 30th. Just a few hours ago, in fact, President Bob Giuliano announced that uh, commencement, which was originally scheduled for May the 17th, will not happen at that time. It's been indefinitely postponed. Um, This news was not unexpected, but I will say as a senior that it did land like something of a cinder block It's kind of one of those things that we all expected to happen, but until it happened, it, well, hadn't happened. So uh, the college has kicked out some ideas as for alternate arrangements. Uh, One of those, which, you know, I was, we'll just speak for myself strikes me as a non-starter is uh, a virtual commencement on the 17th. Uh, If that's going to be the thing, let's just mail our diplomas and forget about it. Um, The second one the earliest they potentially flowed doing something was August, um, which maybe is just an acknowledgement of the reality of where we are, but that that was a little surprising to me. And then they also the other suggestions or ideas were to do something in in the fall semester or next May, which would seem to infringe on, you know, your commencement, Gary. Uh, so there's that. I don't know if they're talking about it being a combined event or a separate weekend. I can't imagine that they really want to do two commencements on two consecutive weekends. Your your pal in Penn Hall, Katie Barocco, would need like a raise probably if she was gonna be asked to pull that off. But uh in any case, uh that's kinda that's kind of where things are with commencement.
1: Yeah. Um I think that a lot of seniors are really upset about it, but more than that, you know, I think you hit it on the head when you said that, like, you know, virtual commencement is really a non-starter. I don't see a lot of people that would attend that. I had a friend that said, you know, why don't you just ship us all baskets of wine and let's call it a day. Like, I don't want to have my...
0: You know, that comm- wasn't on the survey, but if it was, uh, maybe people would have bought that option.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that right now, like, in this time where we don't have any normalcy, um, you know, some of it feels a little bit more. Like, I'm fine with this, you know, going by the wayside or that. But that, but like graduating from college is a, you know, an event of your life that you will remember. And for, I think, a lot of people, that's the first thing that has like, you know, been canceled that does feel like, you know, it's irreversible in some ways. Like, you can have like events canceled or shows or concerts or whatever, And then you're like, okay, but like in 50 years from now, that won't matter. But with commencement, I think for a lot of people, they're realizing that it does matter. um, And that it is something that they're thinking about um, that they'll remember and will remember that they didn't have.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, it's someone, someone said to me that, um, that. This is, you know, now that commencement isn't happening, I will definitely remember this semester. Uh, and I kind of chuckled a little bit at the prospect that I wasn't already going to remember this semester, um, such as it is. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's one of those, one of those things that, yeah, I mean, I think, I think we've said it that you kind of, you kind of knew was coming. was different even when you knew it was going to happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: so there's that. Uh, other other news, Gary. Uh, you ran a story the other day uh, about students coming home from abroad and the various challenges they faced while doing so. And I was particularly struck, and I'll let you kind of take over in a sec. I was struck by particularly the story of Abby Power. So let's just remind ourselves. Uh, maybe this isn't um, reminding people, but she's had a little bit of a semester with respect to uh, going abroad. Originally was supposed to be in China, uh, that didn't happen, and then very quickly ended up in Nepal. Uh, in our February edition of the Gettysburg's magazine, sent us a postcard from Nepal, in which it sounded like she was having a ball. And why do you take it from there?
1: Yeah. Um, so. Abby was, this was about like a week or two ago, because Abby just got, when I interviewed her, which was last week, she'd been home for like 72 hours. Um, So Abby had been um, about to go on a trip where she wasn't going to be in an area where she had a lot of cell service. Um, So she was talking to her mom on the phone, and her mom wanted her to come home. Uh, CGE had just sent that email saying like, you know, uh, Europe students need to come home, but everybody else can stay but abby felt that like that had this connotation of like maybe reevaluate what you're doing and her mom wanted her to come home which abby was taking into account um And beyond that, she had heard of other, so the Nepal program is through a a abroad program called SIT. And she had gotten word from a friend of hers who was studying abroad in Kenya that SIT was closing their programs, but she hadn't heard anything yet. So she's on this bus and they're going for a trek in the Himalayas where you're not going to get a lot of self-service and everybody's asleep. It's like 4.30 in the morning over there. As they're on this bus and then everyone kind of stops because there's this landslide coming down which is just crazy to think of in general and she goes up and talks to some of her like uh teachers and administrators at, about discussing going home and another girl was planning on going home so they're like we can get you both a flight back to Kathmandu, and you can book a flight from there so abby was going to do that and then 20 minutes later um her teachers put their program director on the phone and said that basically you know, the entire program's canceled and you need to be out soon. So they're all trying to book flights in the middle of the Himalayas, which is not great. Um, Abby's like trying to book a flight, she gets one, and then like the seat gets given up. She is trying to book other flights and they keep disappearing as soon as she's clicking on them and finally she finds a flight that's gonna be six grand to get all the way back. And it was like, you know, 18 or 20 hours of flying and like a 10 hour layover. So it was like 30 hours of travel to head back, um, screening and all that stuff. And like so many airports that Nepal usually, like if you're traveling from Nepal to the US, would go through like Singapore are all closed. So it's like a really roundabout way to get home. Um, And finally she's home and she doesn't really know how her classes are gonna be operating. Uh, She's so much money out because this is also the flight to China that didn't go through her new flight to Nepal. Um, And then this, you know, in not insignificant number of $6,000. You know, she got some money from the college, but it's still a lot of money for somebody who's already paying full Gettysburg tuition. Um, And in some way or another, that's the story of most students coming home, you know, bumping tickets up that are ending up being non-refundable and not adjustable, Um, trying to get home through some wacky way of traveling back. Um, I know of students that, you know, because they had to have a student visa, their passports were with their programs and not with them. So they had to find a way to get their passports back in time to fly home, you know, packing up your entire life when you're not planning to pack up your entire life is already hard. Um, you know, I know that, you know, Gettysburg college students were having that hard time with the three hours that we had, but we also had for the most part, you know, help also you know, it's not a foreign country. I I remember packing up and having to, you know, take my suitcases to the train station when I was abroad and it was such a task and I had planned for it. I was thinking about it the other day when I was writing the article. I don't know how I would have packed if I wasn't planning for it. My apartment was a mess. We had our stuff all over like the living room and the kitchen and the bathroom and our rooms obviously. And I don't know how I would have done this. booking flights, especially if you've never done it without a parent before, is so stressful. Um, And a lot of the times these programs aren't really helping their kids book flights. CGE was being responsive and stuff, but um, there's only so much they can do from, you know, in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania.
0: Um, Right. And, and, you know, it was one of those things where it's an unplanned expense too, as you alluded to. And, and that kind of leads into something we talked a little bit about last week, which is at the college in the last two weeks or so, and it's up this, as of, I just checked a minute ago, up to almost $85,000 that was raised for the the student emergency fund to support some of these unplanned travel expenses, which includes students coming back from abroad in some cases. And uh, I was told the other day that the requests already exceed that 85,000 that as of the time they kicked out the plea to alumni and other friends of the college to donate, they had received something like $50,000 worth of requests. And I was told um, by someone who would be in a position to know um, that that number now exceeds even the $85,000 that was raised. And so they're still working on, you know, fulfilling those sorts of requests, but, uh, you know, it's a it's a tricky time, and especially um, at a time when students are facing lost uh, summer internship possibilities that wow. they might have made some money, summer jobs. Um, you know, the, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania has announced a hiring freeze. I know a, at least one person who, you know, thought he had a job lined up in, in state government, and that's on hold for now. And then, I mean, that was a senior. So seniors are facing a kind of a, a double pinch of of some financial pressures and and other students who, you know, just needed an internship to graduate are are kind of in a little bit of flux. Now the college is working to accommodate that at the department level. I received an email um, from the public policy program and the public policy program requires an internship to graduate. And they said they're working to come up with an alternate plan if, if an internship fell through for this summer. But, you know, it's just, you know, and certainly these effects are far from, the worst of what the coronavirus is inflicting upon people around the world, uh, but but again, it's 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 just the second, third, fourth, fifth order effects of, of things that this is having on our own campus, um, and and in a similar vein, to zoom in on the student wages piece, the college has announced some accommodations there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so um, the college has, uh, this is headed by the provost office, Um, they're going to be taking a look at the average um, amount of hours that students work for the first seven weeks of the semester and taking that average and then, you know, multiplying it by the weeks of um, work that they lost um, through remote learning and provide them with a one-time stipend of that money. Um, you know, that might not be, I I know for me at least and for some other, um, student employees at the theater, that's going to be a little bit weird just because some weeks you're working a lot and some weeks you're not, depending on when there's a show. And I'm sure that's the same thing for a lot of people within different departments, but it's something. And, um, so students will probably see that money in a couple weeks now. It probably, I think it went through today, we're recording this on the 30th of March, so if my memory serves me, I believe it went through payroll today and that students should be seeing that money starting April 10th, um, which will be something at least. Um, I know that people have been considering getting, you know, part-time jobs at like grocery stores and things, but also that's not the safest thing to do right now. Um, and like you said, there's not really a lot of jobs available to people right now, especially at this time. Um, But that should at least be something to uh, balance things out a little bit, especially for people that, you know, are not just abroad students, but anybody that's seeing some financial changes to what they had, you know, at college, you have, you've already paid your, um, your, your uh, food expenses through the meal plan. And now you're having to, you know, buy food. Obviously, we're going to get a refund um, for half a semester's worth of room and board, but um, that will go through student accounts. So you're not gonna really be seeing that money in your bank account. So um, hopefully that will lighten the load for students a little bit. Um, obviously it's getting tough, especially students are seeing you know, their parents also out of work for a bit, which can be hard. Um, yeah.
0: Okay, uh, Other other news and notes. Um, the, you know, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Uh, I, we, I had, I had jotted down a few notes before we started this and now I uh, have lost said notes and am just rambling for a moment as I find which tab I put them in. Uh, oh, the Gettysburgians great work from home initiative. Uh, so that's been ongoing. Uh, this week, we are soliciting sunset photos, uh, and, and uh, you know, see how that goes. I think I actually received a sunrise photo in my inbox this morning, uh, which I suppose we can also accept uh, from the battlefield, thanks to, uh, I believe it was from the battlefield. It was sent to me by uh, Joe Lynch, our, oh. our f- favorite alumni director, just someone who truly bleeds orange and blue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just one of those things. And I, when I spoke to Bob, who, by the way, has submitted a, um, has submitted a playlist for this initiative that will be coming soon. Uh, and I have pre-screened, not pre-screened, I've taken a look at, at said playlist. And I think, people are going to be interested to know what Bob likes to listen to. Um, but in any case, uh, this initiative seems to be ongoing. And Bob said, and I think he said it well, that, you know, shared experiences are still important in times of social distance. So, you know, it seems like this is still, we we still seem to be on kind of the upward slope of of this. I don't know that we've reached, uh, you know, the, the uh, oh, geez, this is a, showing me how much, how little I remember from calculus. Gary, you're the expert, but somewhere along the line, there ought to be a concavity shift in this curve. Uh, and I think you do something about differentiating the second derivative or something to, yeah. uh, to, to figure out what that is. But that's, I'm going to stop there because I don't really know much else and don't want to be put on the spot about much else relating to calculus. But in any case, uh, I don't know where I was going with this, but uh, it seems long. like we're still going to be doing this for a while. So yeah. feel free to continue to submit Your photos from Gettysburg, stories about your hometown. Um, We've had a nice geographic distribution of hometowns so far. We've had two in California, uh, one in Ohio, one in Missouri, and one in Colorado. And this morning's I believe was Philadelphia, Uh, but not what you might think about Philadelphia. It was our own arts and entertainment editor, uh, Brittany, who who shared a, a photo of a wooded area in Philadelphia, which is not probably how a lot of people, you know conceptualize Philadelphia, but, you know, feel free to share something that'll surprise us about your hometown, wherever that might be, or wherever you are, if it's not your, if it's not your hometown. Uh, other fun things that have been going on, there's a, a Facebook group that's been started called Schmucker from a Distance, uh, in which, uh, in which members of the conservatory community are currently, and I don't want to Scoop this idea, but uh, they're thinking about Gettysburg College-related songs that might be about 20 seconds, uh, to which one could, uh, you know, wash their hands. Uh, and there's a video being planned uh, in which the administrator of said page said, "Quote: The Gettysburgian and Bob will love this." Uh, <laughs> yeah. The Gettysburgian will indeed love this. I, I won't scoop the rest of their idea, but uh, just keep an eye out for that.
1: Yeah, I just saw um, on Gettysburg College's page, they just shared a YouTube video of some music-based um, alum saying this little mi- light of mine over what seemed to not be Zoom, but something similar to Zoom, some, site of, some type of group um, recording, And it wasn't laggy, which was really cool (laughs) to see.
0: That's true. Yeah, that was a music education major from the class of 2018, 19. They all run together. I'm going to say 18. Kelly Ryman uh, and some some other music ed majors, uh, including Isaac Hawkins. And who else was in that? Molly Clark was in it. And Megan, used to be Megan Riley, is now Megan something else was in it and Eddie Holmes, so there you go, music education majors sticking together in uh, the pursuit of singing afterwards. All right, I think we've uh, uh, belabored this point long enough. Uh, We'll be right back with, there is no bullet report, so we'll go straight to my interview with the president of Gettysburg College, Bob Uliana. Okay, I think we are indeed live. It's looking like Facebook is working, so uh, thanks to President President Bob Giuliano for joining us. And uh, the first question I was going to ask you, uh, and this was not a throwaway question, it was one of the questions that was submitted to us, was how are you doing? Well, thank you for asking that, Ben,
2: uh, Doing doing good um uh, you've seen some of my communications to the community and one of the things that is uplifting at a time that's you know challenging to society more broadly is the truly remarkable response of this community um, I have been so taken by it um, from the faculty to the students, to parents, to staff, everyone is rallying around the importance of doing the best we can in helping our students get the best education they can in these unusual circumstances we find ourselves in. And I'm watching what's happening across higher education. Uh, this, we talk often that this is a pretty special place. I think we've shown that in the way we have responded to this. And I'm going to shout out the Gettysburg version in this regard too the work you all have done in what you're putting online, creating the playlists and the other things and building community, that stuff matters a lot. So I'm hardened to see it. Um, the other thing I'll say is I have a remarkable team that is working around the clock, trying to do the best they can. And so I feel pretty fortunate. But to you as well, how are you doing? Uh, I hope everyone in your family is, is healthy and
0: safe. Yeah, yeah, we're we're doing well over here in uh in Lancaster. So not too far from from Gettysburg, but uh it's been going well. Had some online classes, had two of them this morning. So How's that far going. So far so good. Um you know, we've had I I was we were just talking before we went on the air that some folks are having fun with the virtual Zoom backgrounds uh, and and uh you know, I and some <coughs> members are having fun with them too. Dr. Layal in the conservatory this morning was broadcasting in front of a video of the most recent orchestra concert. So, uh, you know, some, some snazzy things are going on. I'm sorry that I didn't
2: have the opportunity or the technical, technological savvy to do better than simply my study.
0: Well, you know, we'll, we'll forgive you for that, I suppose. But I, I, see you are, so you are among those who are working from home during all of this? I think the whole campus is working at
2: home, for, 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 but for a relatively small number of people, we've regarded as essential personnel, and that is the people who are making sure that the students still on campus get fed, uh, who have to do some of the basic work to make sure the IT infrastructure is succeeding and uh, doing all that it needs to do these days. So there are very few people on campus, which I think is exactly as it should be. I know you've been following the public health aspects of this, but if we have any hope as a community, not just us, obviously the college, but written more broadly, society and the world, we need this period of time. I hope it's a. I think it's gonna to need to be an extended period of time of social isolation to sort of bring down the incidence of the virus.
0: Right. Well, I wanna go ahead and get into a few of the questions that were submitted uh, in advance. Uh, and the first one came from someone who identified themselves as a senior and, and first name Caroline, I'm not sure, I know several seniors that are named Caroline, so I'm not sure which one this was, but Caroline asked um, what, if graduation gets pushed off, what that could look like, whether it would still have the feel of a graduation ceremony, I know you said last week that you're trying to delay that decision, about when that will, you know, you know, as far as along as you can, so that there's the best chance of something happening. But can you maybe give an update on where things are with graduation? Uh, so we
2: haven't made any definitive decision, Ben. Um, you know, I don't think it's hard to look down the future and guess that this may be really hard to pull off. But we're going to wait a little while longer to make the best decision we can. Here's what I would say, though. Um, let's assume if we don't have the an ordinary graduation, I would love to hear from the seniors. If we didn't, what would be the alternative structures that you all would like to see? Um, whether it's the virtual a virtual graduation or some celebration later in the summer, give us feedback. If we can't have the regular graduation, how you would like to see this proceed? I should note, Ben, that you are frozen in my image right now. I don't know if you can hear me now. You've unfrozen.
0: I, I can hear you. Uh, you froze for a second for me, but I could continue to hear you. So I, I okay. think. Hopefully everything's working, but. Uh, okay. But back to my point, please be
2: yeah. in touch with us. We really would like to um, get this is about the celebration of you all then, the work that you and your classmates have done over the course of your four years here um, and recognizing that you guys warrant the warrant the biggest embrace we can give you and send off into the world. So help us think about what that should look like if we can't do, uh, the traditional graduation, and I think that might have two aspects to it. It would be, what should a graduation ceremony virtually look like? And what should, when we're able to get together back as a community, what should we do to celebrate that? Maybe it's one and the same, I don't know. But please, be in touch, offer our uh, as much as it is about the college.
0: Mm-hmm um, the next the next question that was submitted, and we got several questions about this. So I'll just kind of consolidate it into one, is about the grading options uh, for this semester. And there's a proposal, as I'm sure you're aware, uh, moving through some some faculty committees, and I imagine ultimately landing on your desk about the possibility of cl- all classes being on the the pass fail or I guess the S satisfactory unsatisfactory system. Uh, could you share a little bit about kind of how you were thinking about that issue and and where you see that that playing out? How you see that playing out? I think you can expect
2: to hear something very shortly from the provost on this. Um, And the fact, as you know, Ben, because your sources into this place are better than mine. Uh, I've learned that you learn things before I learn things, which leaves me a little bit intimidated sometimes. Um, This has been a matter that the faculty has taken seriously. And the goal is to make sure that we're doing two things simultaneously. Um, still engaging students intellectually, but also recognizing that this is a disorienting time for students as we um, ask you to learn in new ways and from new places. And so those have been the factors that the faculty has been considering as um, it considers this uh, possible change in policy. I think you're going to see something soon on it.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, the, The next question that was submitted, and we again, got a couple about this. So again, I'll consolidate them a little bit. But there were several questions about asking if you could sh- share a little bit more about kind of how you approached last week's um, events with respect to kind of the evolving. And, and as, as you noted in your email to the campus Friday, there were a lot of changes, and a lot of them I think were probably outside of the college's control. But if you could talk a little bit about how you approached that situation and, and whether ultimately what happened is what you think kind of the, the best that we could do was
2: so one of the things ben that you wrote in a really thoughtful um uh, op-ed was um we're all doing the best we can with imperfect choices right and so what we were what we tried to do last week was we made two judgments as you know the first judgment was we really did need to go to a virtual um remote learning um platform and we did that for all the obvious reasons i don't think anyone's really quarreling with that now The notion that we could come together as a community uh, given the current incidence of the virus just makes no sense. And so then what we tried to do, remember that decision was very much um, motivated by an overarching concern about the whole community's well-being. Um, But as I said, I think when I described that decision, the other factor that we wanted to make sure we didn't lose sight of is how do we launch this new learning experience for students in a way that is, is as effective as possible? And so we wanted to have a safe community um, um, and we wanted to have the effective learning environment to the extent that we could do so uh, consistent with the notion of the safe community. So at the time that we made that judgment, we also wanted to give students there for a chance to come back to campus and retrieve what they could retrieve. Um, And we gave more time than most colleges did candidly, because we wanted to be as accommodating as possible. And At the time, there had been no cases in Adams County, and even the incidents in um, Pennsylvania as a whole had been relatively modest. We did make clear, however, that we were concerned that um, circumstances could change. One of Julie Ramsey's communications, I think, was pretty explicit, saying, we're giving you this time, but please come as soon as possible. I think she even anticipated because circumstances beyond our control could arise. The governor then issued the order that the governor issued which to me had two consequences. One, it was a pretty dramatic statement on the part of the state government to say, we're closing down all non-essential businesses. Um, That wasn't a um, mere uh, ministerial act on the part of the governor. It reflected an evaluation by the Commonwealth about a severity of a problem that we had to take seriously. And so it had, I think, both a public health implication and a um, legal implication that we had to take seriously and so we came to the judgment that the only only proper thing to do in part because by then we'd also had cases in adams county and um, we knew that we still had a large number of students who were going to have to come back so we made the judgment that the proper thing to do to again meet our first goal which was to ensure the safety of the community was to suspend access of students to um Uh, the residence halls to get their stuff. But at the same time, we took what we thought were some adequate substitutionary steps of hiring a moving company to come in basically and get as much done as possible for individual students. And since then, I think we've moved nearly 200, sent boxes to nearly 200 students and still have the capacity to do so. So this is a long-winded answer, but it's really intended to say this we were balancing these two considerations and ultimately thought we had a means both to secure the public health as it were, but also to assure students that they could uh, get their key material by virtue of the moving company. And I think that represented a reasonable compromise. I get that other colleges made other choices. Um, I think as this plays out, you will see a wide variety of choices made by uh, colleges and universities across the country
0: and just a you know and it's easy for for those who you know aren't in the room so to say to second guess and and things one discrete question that arose in again in our forum and i think was kind of implicit in some of the coverage that that i know we did last week was about students who were already in transit to campus when when this came down and i think that the the question that has been asked is you know the public health concern, to the extent that there was one, was traveling from one place to another. Once they're there, kind of, did you see a new harm in them being able to be on campus to get their stuff and then turn around and go home? Or was it it, time on campus you were concerned about? They would end up interacting with our staff,
2: right, coming from all parts of the country, and probably with each other. So it wasn't the travel per se that represented the risk. Uh, to us, it was the proposition that the governor had really made a dramatic, I viewed it as an inflection point. And then the question becomes do we, can we responsibly have hundreds of students come back to campus at the same time, inevitably interacting with each other and inevitably interacting with college life staff in a way that was consistent with what we regarded as our primary obligation towards everybody's public health? We came to the judgment no in part because we had adequate substitutionary means to achieve some of the goals. So like everything else, you're balancing a set of considerations. And as I said in my note, um, I recognized that that was disruptive to a group of parents and students. And I will also say then that the response to my communication was overwhelmingly positive. Um, people saying, it was a hard decision. I appreciate why you made the decision, and I support you in making that decision. Um, again, it's a sign of the nature of this community. Um, we have made a variety of decisions um, that have had implications to the community. The number of critical responses I've received um, has nothing to do with me, by the way. This is all about the place.
0: It's been surprisingly few. hmm the the other student uh, submitted question that I wanted to pose, and and this question is maybe more of a statement, and to ask you to respond to the statement specifically would be unfair. The statement is uh, all of my online classes have been a quote technical disaster unquote. I guess might maybe the, the the question to follow up with that is just kind of how is I, I'm sure that that. IT is hard at work on this issue, but kind of what are some of the ways the college is monitoring and and supporting faculty and students in this online transition? Well, first of all, for any students that are
2: having technical difficulties, we need to know about it, right? And so they should immediately be in touch with our IT staff. One of the things that I'm really proud of is the response of the IT uh, team to this situation. We basically uh, stood up a virtual college in two weeks. That's a pretty extraordinary thing to do. Um, The faculty has responded in extraordinary ways in terms of getting trained up on Zoom. We have met, as far as we know, um, all student demands and needs for technology. We've been shipping out hotspots. We've even shipped out laptops. The other day we bought a printer for someone because of some accommodation issues. So we are trying as best we can to meet all of the technological needs that students have as they try to undertake this remote learning. When I had a conversation earlier today with our vice president for IT, Rod, um, he had understood that we have met all such requests. So for those students who are finding their um, online experience to be a, quote, technological disaster, I think we need to know about it so we can figure out, is there a root cause there that we can address? It may be something to do with their their local capacities. You were commenting, I think, before we got on that, Gettysburg has slightly better Wi-Fi than the Ponce residents might. Um, (laughs) um, But there may be solutions that we can um, help create. So for example, we had a note from a student whose parents were both working at home and both kids were also in college doing remote learning and their Wi-Fi system couldn't accommodate it. We -hmm. sent a hotspot there to make sure the student had access to... Uh, the the internet in a way that was effective. So we are trying as best we can to devise solutions as problems arise. It starts, though, with people telling us when the problems have arisen.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Um, and, and so we're now back to my questions. Um, so one subject I know that a lot of people are interested in for, for pretty obvious reasons is how the college is taking care of employees uh, at this time. And I know that Plans are in the works, and I think are starting to be released about how the college is going to continue to compensate student employees. But what about, what about professional employees? It seems one can kind of hardly read off. And indeed, the institution that you previously served has um, has been in the news a little bit about those issues. Kind of, what is the college's posture towards uh, all staff, support staff in particular, right now?
2: So, you know what we've done for now, and that is we are extending, we're ensuring that everybody is being paid through the end of next week, regardless of whether they have any productive work to do or not. And part of that, Ben, is to just give us an opportunity to catch our breath and understand what's happening here. Um, We take our obligations to our employees seriously. You've heard me talk about how this place works, not only because of what the faculty does and what the students do, uh, but because of all of the other people who um, help provide the infrastructure that makes our education possible. So we are going to be as attentive as we can to those set of considerations within a broader surround of trying to make sense of the economic implications of this, which at the moment are not clear to me, right? I think they're evolving. They're evolving in part by virtue of what the government may do. Uh, They're evolving in part by trying to understand how long might um, businesses be shut down. Um, We just have a lot of unknowns at this point. And so we're trying to take this one step at a time to see the picture as clearly as we possibly can and to make the most responsible decisions that advance the values that matter to us as a community. And one of those values is being as protective as we can be to employees who matter to us. Um, I know that's not a specific answer, but I can't give you a specific answer because there's more points of opaqueness right now than there is clarity.
0: Would the college look to cut costs in other areas before cutting back on, on employees?
2: Uh, I I can't answer that in the in the abstract. I need to understand better the full picture. I need to understand what our classes look like. I need to understand whether we're back on campus in the fall. So um, this is all part of an integrated picture.
0: Mm-hmm. And and kind of, I mean, what do you see as as being the time timeline for when some of those things might start to become clearer?
2: You tell me, right? I mean, you tell me when the is the United States government going to pass a package um, looks like they're going to, uh, when I last checked, they were still doing some nibbling around the edges. Um, what's the approach going to be to the long-term control of the virus? I don't quite yet understand that yet. So I think what you will find Ben, and this is somewhat my characteristic, I admit, um, I like to take things incrementally where I can. And this goes back to my training. I'm going to digress for a minute. Um, But when I graduated from law school, where you may be heading off to um, in a few months. um, Still haven't heard
0: from them, by the way.
2: (laughs) uh, You haven't heard from my law school, but you're you're going to law school, it appears. Um, I clerked for a federal judge after I graduated. And one of the lessons that he instilled in me was the importance of making no decision any earlier than you needed to, because the facts would mature and develop. And so part of what I'm trying to do in a very uncertain time is to take my time. Uh, and to make sure that we can see the picture as clearly as possible. I mean, you saw that with the extension of spring break by a week, right? It was an attempt on my part to say, let's pause for a minute. Uh, Let's see if we can let the situation ripen and then see if we can come to better decisions. And candidly, I think that week did us um, good in a variety of respects. The decision to sustain employee payroll through the end of next week is also an incremental step. Uh, as a means of saying, let's just catch our breath, understand the situation as best we can, and make the best judgments we can moving forward as those facts develop.
0: Okay, um, what else do I have here? Has the college, um, and and again, this kind of gets to what we were just saying. Obviously, it poses a financial strain on the college to to reimburse a large amount of of room and board costs. Have other have. Any areas been identified yet where the college is able to realize savings by students not being on campus that that offset some of that? Or are we looking at potentially needing to, I don't know, I don't want to throw out suggestions that aren't necessary, but dip into any kind of reserve sort of situations or those sorts of things?
2: We're going to have to figure out how to make the math work, Ben. Um, It is not the case that the savings offset the... uh, loss in uh, uh, resources that are accompanied by the return of room and board. Sure, we're saving a little bit on food uh, and we're saving a little bit on the incidentals that are associated with having a, uh, a group of students on campus, but those don't offset one another. And so we're, again, early stages, we're trying to figure out given where we are, where we might be going, how do we make sense of this picture? And if you're looking at any of the trade journals in higher education, you will see that these are the very conversations that every single college and university, even my prior uh, employer, is having, because it's a a disruptive and uncertain time. Um, But we're trying, and I hope the students experience this. Our priority, once we get past the public health issue, our priority is to make this experience as good as it possibly can be for you, Ben, um, and for all of the students, recognizing that we fundamentally wanna be together, right? Uh, What makes this place special, what makes it really work most effectively is when we are at our residential best. Um, This is a substitute, it's not a full substitute we want to do the best we can under the circumstances.
0: Right. Do you have any sense of how transparent the college is, how forthcoming the college can be with kind of what some of those decisions and trade-offs that are ultimately going to have to be made will be when those times come? I think in my, how many months has it been now? I feel like it was about a year ago, you and I interviewed around
2: now, right? And you asked me the pineapple uh, question. That's correct. <laughs> um, maybe it was a little later, but not much later than this. Um, I think I have tried in my early time here as president to be pretty transparent. We have done a fair amount of communication, I think, over the course of this incident. And uh, as you know, I've engaged the faculty in a pretty open way about some of the um, other challenges that are confronting higher education. You sat in on those conversations. So, um, I think the community should expect me to con- continue with the degree of openness that I've tried to impart, Ben, because we are all in this together, right? Um, the response to any challenge or any opportunity isn't gonna come from, I was gonna say the third floor of Penn Hall, I'll say the first floor of the president's house. It's gonna come by virtue of what we can do collectively. And we're seeing it right now, right? We're seeing the power of this place when students, faculty, staff come together And try to do what we're doing and what you experience today in your classes. Um, That's when we're at our best.
0: Has uh, President Riggs called you to tell you how much she's enjoying retirement lately? I got a wonderful,
2: wonderful, wonderful t-shirt from two students um, virtually. It's in quarantine, so it's actually sitting in a residence hall somewhere, but a photograph was sent to me and it was the things that JMR didn't tell me uh, and on the back it was COVID-19 and a roll of toilet paper. Uh, so, uh, I sent that to Janet, who reported having a big belly laugh when she saw it. So, um, I, I suspect Janet he, Janet has been as you would expect her to be superb. She's offered her help. Um, uh, but um, I think anybody who is a former president is looking back and saying, boy, not, not unhappy that somebody else is dealing with this right now.
0: Well, and I do recall last spring when when the college was dealing with a little bit of a different incident, her saying that she was glad for your sake that she was still the president at that time, but I'm guessing she's glad not to do that two years in a row. I hadn't thought about asking her if she'd come back and be interim president for a bit. <laughs> well, you know, we we always like to sow ideas in conversation here. At <laughs> um, you you alluded to this already in a few different ways, but I was wondering if if anything in particular has surprised you in a positive way or a negative way about how the community has has responded um, to this this set of challenges? You know, Ben, I don't want to come across as insincere, but
2: I have almost nothing negative to say about the response of the community. Um, I was talking with some friends from my former life uh, the other day um, and was just struck again in just describing my reaction to this by the... I think I put this in one of my notes as well. We're not sort of backwards looking and grieving the loss of what we had. There's a little bit of that. But the overarching energy in this place is, um, how do we make do with what we have and make it work as effectively as possible? And it's not distinctive to this set of circumstances. One of the things I've come to learn about Gettysburg is that our students in particular, but our faculty as well, um, you know, we're not the most heavily resourced college in the, in the world, so we have always tried to figure out how to make do with a little less. Um, and that has created a degree of scrappiness, I think, about some practicality that is infused in who we are as a college. And I have just seen that on display. And the faculty sort of rising almost with enthusiasm. I don't mean to um, be dismissive of the context, which is really not worthy of celebration but almost with some enthusiasm to tackle this new set of challenges is to figure out how um, we can engage our students. But it's a bit like the uh, IT proposition you raised earlier about the disaster that the student reported. If people are having struggles, we need to know about it. Um, And it's a little harder to see remotely than it is when people are physically on campus. And so one of the things I'm doing, as you may know, is I've created weekly office hours. Um, I'm trying to be, whereas I hope I was physically accessible uh, when we were physically on campus, I'm trying to be virtually accessible in part just to hear. Um, And so for those uh, students, parents, members of the community listening, don't be bashful. If there are concerns that you have, let us hear about it because don't assume that we know it. Um, And the only way we're going to get better or we're going to begin to address them is if you communicate to us.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, and and maybe as a well, two more questions. First of all, you referred to the Gettysburgians' little initiative earlier. Uh, any interest in in in, in uh, curating your own playlist for the for the Gettysburgians boarding cycle? I'd be
2: happy to do it. I should warn you that my wife finds my musical taste appalling, and particularly in this regard, Ben. I listen to music while I run, and it is the most mellow music that you can imagine. And she does not understand how anyone could exercise to like. Natalie Merchant or other funeral dirge-like music that I listen to. So I will do it, but it's not going to uplift the community, I would say.
0: That's okay. We're trying to, we're trying to you know, give people a survey of the broad musical tastes that, that folks have. All right, we'll be in touch about that. Uh, last, last question, I guess. As you look towards the rest of the semester, what do you hope that students are able to get out of this unplanned experience in, in say, kind of a broad sense?
2: It's a it's a great question, Ben. Um, I'd say at least three things. One is, um, I want them to continue to make academic and intellectual progress. Um, that goes without saying, that's why we're here. Um, I've asked the college life folks um, also to be cognizant of the fact that an effective college isn't just about the classroom. It is the co-curricular and extracurricular activities. And so um, what can the GLC do? What can the Eisenhower Institute be doing during this period of time to engage students um, uh, in ways that take them outside of the classroom as well? And I suspect that may be welcome as they're sitting in their parents. I think I saw you in your parents' basement at one point. Um, So how do we take kids out of their parents' basement into a different intellectual sphere? The other thing, and I'm going to do, I'm going to say something more about this in a podcast I'm recording this afternoon, is um, you captured this as well in what you wrote—a sense of um, not resiliency, but almost um, adventure. That is, take this as it is and view it as an opportunity to learn a little bit more about yourself, how you learn, figure out new ways to make community flex different muscles that you haven't had to flex because of the nature of the residential community, uh, all with an eye towards ultimately doing what we do well, which is to support one another, to celebrate one another, uh, to learn from one another. How do we find new means of doing that in this environment? And I suspect that if we do that well, Ben, those are lessons that will endure um, beyond the time of this semester. I think you commented that, You were responding to people who said, this isn't the liberal arts education that I paid for. And you said, no, this is exactly what I had hoped for, because I'm seeing an institution and a group of people respond to the unexpected. And how do they do it? How do they think about it? I would urge students to approach this with that frame, a sense of both, uh, again, the adventure, but also learning about themselves and the world. Because you know what? The reality is that curveballs are thrown at us. Uh, regularly. This is a pretty big curveball. Uh, I've seen nothing like it in my, in my life. Um, but I hope we can take this in as a community. And ultimately, I hope, you know, maybe, Ben, you will come back and help us do this. But in the fall, reflect on it. You know, what does it mean? What did we make of it all? What lessons have we learned, not just about us as a college or as us as individuals, but we as a society and as a world? And so, like everything else, I view just about everything is an opportunity to learn, which is a good thing, given what we do here. Uh, students should take it as such.
0: All right, well, President President Bob Uliano, thanks so much for joining us.
2: And Ben, let me end by thank you for inviting me. And again, thank you and your team, um, because I think you guys are doing your characteristically extraordinary work, both in covering this, but as I said, and also finding new ways to help build that community that matters here.
0: Well, thank you.
2: Thank you, Ben. Bye, folks.
0: That's On Target for this week. We'd like to thank President Giuliano for being our featured guest today.
1: We'd also like to thank the executive board of WZBT and the staff of the Gettysburgian for their ongoing support in this project. Please be sure to subscribe to On Target on TuneIn, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts.
0: On Target is a joint production of the Gettysburgian and WZBT. Our theme music was composed by Diego Roach, 2019 graduate of the Sunderman Conservatory of Music. Join us next week. I don't know who our guest is going to be. We're doing this one day at a time, folks, but I'm sure it'll be someone great. Until then, stay home, stay safe, stay calm, stay whatever else people are telling you to stay, and uh, stay tuning into the Gettysburgian and On Target. Have a great weekend.